Okay, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. Football back, NFL Week 3 right around the corner starting tomorrow evening with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. No better time than now to start discussing football as we approach the end of the week here. Got my boy Johnny Rowe back with me this week. Conveniently and unfortunately, no Blaine Wheeler this evening on the call. Um, He is uh, in a work trip um, out on the East Coast, so we will not be hearing from him. Um, Hopefully he's doing okay. Convenient week, I will say, for him to miss. Uh, I'm sure his name will be brought up a ton in this episode, and for that, I really can't wait. Before we hop into the episode, let's talk to our boy Johnny. Johnny, how you doing, buddy? Chandler, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, we're going to pick up the slack for Blaine. A good opportunity for him for a work event out in Baltimore, I believe. But very convenient that after Kirk Cousins has such a terrible, typical Kirk Cousins Monday Night Football game that he is not here to answer uh, for the sins that he has committed, him being Blaine. So um, I've, got a, I've got a bunch of stats and stuff. I've been really breaking this slate down today. And uh, I'm super excited. As Whereas last week we had a lot of ew matchups or stinky matchups, I think there's some really important games this week. And, yeah, it's only week three, but, I mean, there are some teams that, I mean, they're, they're winless and they're desperate. And then there are some teams that are undefeated. And um, the parity, like Andy Reid always says, the parity in this league um, is amazing, and I can't wait to break it down. Yeah, um, we'll apologize to the listeners, though. Uh, no post-Chargers recap. Uh, all my fault. Uh, I could not get myself to do the recap after the game on Thursday. My emotions were so up and down after the game. I felt just like I needed to sit there and take all the post-game in. And then we just didn't feel the need to do it on Sunday. So we'll briefly talk a little bit about the Chargers-Chiefs matchup. Uh, right before we talk about the Chiefs' Week 3 matchup versus the Indianapolis Colts, But before we do all that and jump into the slate, Johnny and I are going to go over our one thing that caught our eye from week two that we feel the need to talk about. And I'll go first. Um, And I I hope I'm not taking Johnny's, but my takeaway from week number two in the National Football League is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not very good. If T.J. Watt is not on the field, they just seem uh, to be a very black defense, in my opinion. This They're a very black offense, as we've seen already, and Mitchell Trubisky continues to prove that. Pittsburgh is not on my good list. Um, they have a lot to do to uh, – they have a lot to do to, to earn my respect. And quite frankly, I think Cleveland moves 2-1 and one on the season tomorrow evening. Um, I believe that game is in Cleveland. Um. Yeah. So that's my that's my takeaway from week two. Pittsburgh, you got a lot to do to prove it to me, Johnny. Well, and Chandler, your point is sound. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Pittsburgh did not have a sack in week two, and you know, with T.J. Watt not being there, right? Like that's I mean that's a big deal. So like. It, TJ Watts, the defensive player of the year for a reason. It's a big loss. But I think in this in this day and age, you cannot you cannot devote such little of resources to the offense and expect to have sustained success in this league. I mean, it's just Trubisky just ain't it. He just is not it. Like and there's a bunch of uh, issues that they have with their offensive coordinator. His name's Matt Canada. 
I guess like, you know, if you go through Twitter and, and look at Pittsburgh Steelers Twitter, uh, they can't stand this guy. And so just things aren't looking great for this Pittsburgh team. Yeah, week one, you know, Burrow had like four interceptions and a fumble and the, and, and the Bengals should have won the game. Like, yes, yeah. I mean, all this stuff and you know, you know all this. So it's like, I agree with that point. Um, now on my side of things, it's not about one specific team. It, this week that we just had was just a reminder that the phrase any given Sunday is so true. Any given Sunday, anyone can win in this league. Like, I I could not believe that the Dolphins came back and beat the Ravens. I could not be, I could not believe the Jets came back and beat the Browns. Um, you know, recovering an onside kick and and Joe Flacco is their quarterback. Like, yeah, the Browns the Browns were dominating that game, and so just that any given Sunday in this league you can lose, right? Which is why, and we'll get to it in depth later. Look, Indianapolis is 0-1-1. Yeah. They've had a terrible start to the year. This is their home opener against the Chiefs. And they will beat the Chiefs if they're not up, if the Chiefs are not prepared and up for the challenge um, on Sunday. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I really like that point. It's it's insanely true. I mean, hell, Atlanta had a chance to win at the end. They ha- they were on the, on the doorstep ready to beat the Rams, make the Rams 0-2, but – this league is crazy, and that's a great point about the Colts. Real quick, Johnny, the Cleveland and New York Jets game, do you do you blame Chubb? I don't know that I blame Chubb. He's getting a lot of flack around the national media and just kind of some people on Twitter, but, like, you go up two scores with a minute and some change left. Like, you're feeling pretty good. I'm very okay with him scoring that touchdown. I mean, you, you don't recover the onside kick? That's all on Chubb. Right. Yeah. Like onside kicks have like a, I mean, like it's around a 10, if not, if not lower than 10% success rate, you know, maybe don't let Joe Flacco and some like rookie receivers march yeah. down your throat or whatever it is. Um, but I, I didn't see anything on this. Um, if Chubb were Chubb scores the, the, the touchdown to go up um, was, was there you know, you can't you can't blame him if there was nobody in his ear. Like there obviously wasn't a coach telling him to go down, right? Like no, he Chubb is right really, in. yes, really smart player, really damn good player too. Um, in a in, in a state of the league where you know running back play is so dependent on the passing game, Chubb just shows that he is an amazing runner of the football. Um, but obviously, no coach was like, "Hey, listen," you know, in the huddle, say if if you have a clear lane to the end zone and a first down or whatever it is, go down. That obviously wasn't communicated. And if it was still at the same time, like you can't give up two touchdowns like that. Right. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. Well, brother, let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I've already alluded to a little bit with the team that needs to prove it to me the most. 715 on Amazon prime, which before we get into this, sorry to keep doing this, but what'd you think of prime last week, Johnny, your thoughts real quick. I kind of liked it. I, I did like it. What I, as a fan of the Chiefs, didn't love is like it really, they were really pushing the Chargers, which yeah. I have said, I get it. Chargers are a talented roster. The The dethroning of the Chiefs is, it makes for captivating TV and, and listening and viewing. But I mean, it, it Richard Sherman was annoying the fuck out of me. Yeah, like, he, he was like, me too. Dude, like it was just so over the top. Like, 
you know, his, his mentality of like, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Like the way that he carried himself on the field, when you were in the prime of your career, the best corner, if not, you know, one of the top two corners in football, when you were playing in the prime of your career, Legion of Boom, like it was cool then. It's not cool anymore. It's just fucking annoying. Like you're, you're wearing a suit on TV and you're getting like all hyped and pissed off and talking about how, you know, using the word as the words disrespect and it, talking about how the Chargers defense does not respect the Chiefs receivers now that Tyreek Hill is gone. You know, anyways, they should have respected them a little bit more because the Chiefs won the game. But yeah, it, it, I liked the setup. I liked the people on there for the most part. Richard Sherman was just annoying. Yeah, and he's probably just still salty from his uh, Super Bowl experience playing the Chiefs. So shove it, Sherman. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. What an interesting matchup here in an all-time AFC North battle. Um, you know, when you look back on the pod previews that we did earlier in the summer um, about the divisions, this division we all talked about was just how tough it is. And it's never the best division, but it's always a very competitive division. And they're going to beat up on each other. And this game is going to be close, in my opinion. I think that the ineptness at both quarterbacks keep this game um, very, very close. Now, with Jacoby Brissett, in my opinion, ineptness might be a little too harsh, but as an overarching theme, I think that that is uh, closer to accurate. I just I just can't buy into Jacoby Brissett. I think the Cleveland Browns game plan here is to have, they have to line up and run the football. Have to line up and run the football. Chubb, I believe, if I saw this correctly, it was either – I believe it was last season in both matchups did not have a rushing touchdown. Why is that relevant? Chubb has a ton so far. He had three last week. Looking for him to get going here. Um, I think that Pittsburgh's roster is just a little bit better than uh, – or excuse me, I think that Cleveland's roster, if I didn't say that correctly, I think that Cleveland's roster is a little bit better than Pittsburgh, and I'm going Cleveland here. So I'm going to I'm going to agree with you um that I think Cleveland will win the game. I just think like that I think like this is an opportunity where it starts off poorly for Pittsburgh and legitimately I think Kenny Pickett could play in this game. Like I think that I think this could be it because the offense in Pittsburgh is awful. I mean awful. True truly terrible. Trubisky is is really bad. And we all knew this. Mitch is a very likable guy, but it's it's just over with Mitch, okay? And and like I said in your opening statement, um, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, is not liked among Pittsburgh fans. Um, he wasn't liked among with Ben Roethlisberger, and he's and he's not liked now. Najee Harris is slow, and it, it, yeah, they can't they they can't move the football, and so um, Cleveland. Everyone knows they're going to run the football. Cleveland is still going to be able to do that. Um, But with the line being four and a half, Cleveland minus four and a half, um, that makes me want to bet Pittsburgh, you know, plus four and a half division game. Um, But really Chandler, like, you know, I said there were some matchups that were good this week. This to me is kind of like a low scoring, you know, fun game to watch on a Thursday night, but you know, it's hard to follow up. Chiefs Chargers last Thursday with 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 this game right here. Um, cool stat that I pulled: the over under is thirty eight and a half in this game, which is incredibly low. Um, over the last three seasons, 
with a total of 30, 38 and a half points or lower, the under is seven and O. So like when the, when Vegas places a, a low over underline, it usually hits even lower than that. So I could really see a low scoring game here, like 17, 13. And with that Pittsburgh would cover. Yeah. I, I, I do tend to agree with you on that for sure. Um, We'll move forward into Sunday, September 25th. Houston goes on the road to Chicago. Chicago, not there yet, obviously, but I really do think that their culture has changed with Everflues coming in um, because they know they're not the most talented, but so far through two weeks, they have gone out there and really battled. Um, last week, the scoreboard is obviously not pretty, but they battled with Green Bay. I saw some good things with their defense. Green Bay, at the end of the day, is just a much better football team than Chicago. But the mindset, I think, has flipped for the Bears. I think if this game for the Bears was last year, they lose by 40. I think the fact that they did some okay things, um, I look for them to maybe try and get after Houston here for a team. Houston – at Chicago, I do like Houston, though. I really do. Um, this is an interesting game, Johnny. The more I think about it in my head, the more I really like both teams here. I think this could be a really uh, – probably a sloppier game, I would have to imagine, depending on, A, what the weather is in Chicago, and, B, the quarterback play. But I think that this game could be so bad that it could be pretty good. Um, and with that – I'm going to take Houston because it's the old NFL adage, Johnny. It's the team with the better quarterback. And right now the quarterback with the better confidence and the better weapons is Davis Mills or David Mills, whichever one it is. And that's tough to say, but it is true, unfortunately. Houston. Johnny? A a matchup that is like making these first two games are making me eat my words. Like I promised to our listeners, we're going to get to some good games, but my God, this is horrible. Uh, Yeah. A lot to talk about actually with, with the bears. Um, I was nice to them last week. Their defensive effort in week one was very impressive. Um, However, you know, last week the line was 10 and they got shit rocked at Lambeau field again. The line here is Bears minus two and a half. So the Bears are favored at home. Over under is 40 and a half. Mm. And I, 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 you know, with watching Red Zone, I, I watched a lot of everybody on Sunday. Over the offseason, I made a point that I think that the, the Bears are setting Justin Fields up for failure this year with their wide receiving talent and their offensive line talent, like the lack thereof of both, right? The point that I was making was on the other side of the the coin, I thought that the Texans were doing everything that they could to help Davis Mills succeed, right? Um, Brandon Cooks is on the team. They're investing uh, draft capital and free agent pickups into the offensive line. They're they're making their quarterback feel confident, even with a new head coach, that he is their guy. And I think at the end of the day, Davis Mills is bad. Like, you know, I watched that whole, basically that whole Denver game last week and Mills was bad during that game. Like it was just annoying. He he shows some flashes, but he's just too slow and plotting um, for the NFL these days. Um, Now on the bears side, the bears did one of the most frustrating things I could imagine last week um, against the Packers. They had the football fourth and goal from like the six inch line and 
they received the ball out of shotgun. Yeah. If they were going to throw, okay, I understand. But they ran a quarterback designed run. If you're going to run on the six inch line, why in the hell are you not just running a quarterback sneak? The quarterback sneak is my favorite play in football. It's indefensible. The only way that the quarterback sneak gets stopped is if the quarterback fucks up the center quarterback exchange or if Troy Polamalu comes with a 40-yard head start and times the snap perfectly and jumps over the, the line of scrimmage. Well, Troy doesn't play anymore, and nobody else plays like that. So, so if you look back to last year, right, what's a quarterback sneak that got stopped? Josh Allen at Tennessee last year. Fucks with the snap, slips, gets stopped by Jeffrey Simmons. I've seen countless quarterback sneaks since then get the first down. In fact, Tannehill got one the other night. Herbert got one against the Chiefs. Jalen Hurts got one against the Vikings. Like, quarterback sneaks work all the time. And if for the Bears, with their first-year head coach, getting their ass kicked to not run that quarterback sneak on the goal line and get stuffed um, was really, really disappointing um, in my eyes, Chandler. I've got a couple of Justin Fields points to make, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Did you hear what Justin Fields said after the game and his media availability about Bears fans. If, if, if you missed it or if anybody else missed it, the quote was that, um, that it hurts more in the locker room than it does for Bears fans. He's talking about the loss. Um, he said about the fans, they aren't putting in any work. And then today he came out and kind of walked it back, but didn't really apologize he basically today was like, no, I would never try to disrespect the fans, but like we are the ones that are putting in the work. And uh, he even said stuff like, you know, I was mad after the game. I didn't want to talk to the media. Well, buddy, guess what? You are the face of the franchise and you have to suck it up and do that. Like Mahomes would never say something like that. Chandler, what did you think of the Justin Fields comments after the game? So I get what he's saying. Um it, I do think that most of the time, if you're not a part of a football team, you do tend to lose sight of the fact that those guys are just going in and dicking around at practice. Like, they're taking their stuff seriously, and and they're trying, you know, each day. And the, and the question that he was asked, he got asked, like, what his opinions are on the fans and – Following a loss to your division rival, a team that you haven't beaten in God knows how long, you know, his emotions were high and he said something that you were really not supposed to say as a player to non-players, but he's right in the fact that fans really don't put any of the work in on the field. Like, of course, we want to see them do good, do well, win, but when they lose, you have to be some sort of gracious loser. I mean, I know that they've lost for a long time. To sum up, I know what Fields was saying. Should he have said it? No. No. Exactly right. Okay, like, you you don't say that. Like, yeah. you know, Mahomes is always – and I'm Justin's not Patrick, but Justin could be Patrick. I think Patrick is perfection when it comes to speaking to the media. I think he's so good. He's He's never scolded the media. He's yeah. never like walked out of a press conference. He's, you know, like Mahomes is great with the media. Um, and what Fields could take from that is that like you are the starting quarterback. They traded up in the first round for you. Like you as the face of the franchise, 
have to speak to the media and you have like even if it's not fair that doesn't matter you have to hold yourself to a higher standard and after a loss versus the Packers again the last thing that your fans want to hear is you just like saying something that's not 100% we love our fans we love our fans we want to do the best for our fans and it sucks that we lost you can't that's the point yeah um Okay, and then the next the next one's a question. I don't know if you've heard this on another podcast or anything, but uh, in two games this year, <laughs> how many completions does Justin Fields have? So he had, I believe, he don't tell me if I'm wrong or right, but I believe he had nine on Sunday. Then it was the really monsoon weather game, so he probably had like anywhere from <laughs> five to fifteen. So I'm gonna guess that he has fourteen completions so far in the 2022 season. He's got fifteen. So I mean, oh, like, this is damn it. <laughs> this is this is a pathetic offense. On uh, against the Packers fields was seven of eleven for seventy yards, no touchdowns and a pick. So like, the Bears' offensive line is terrible. They lead the league in third and three and out percentage at fifty five percent. For reference, the NFL average is thirty one percent. So the Bears' offense just sucks. We've spent too much time on this game. I'll take Houston plus two and a half. Let's move on to the Music City. The Las Vegas Raiders will be traveling east to take on the Tennessee Titans. This could be a very interesting game. Very curious to see what the Tennessee Titans do to bounce back after that ass-whooping on Monday night. I mean, there's no other word or phrase to describe that game. That was a complete and utter ass-whooping Buffalo put on Tennessee. I do look for Tennessee to bounce back um, with a bit of a vengeance here, going against a much lesser opponent. And, in fact, an opponent – that is coming off a very embarrassing loss themselves. Look, this might sound biased to the listeners who aren't Chiefs fans and to the ones that are, they're going to love what I say. Derek Carr just flat out is not good enough. I'm sorry. He has no excuses anymore. This offense, he ha- he can't ask for better weapons on this offense. He has three incredibly good weapons, and yet he still can't find ways to win this game. Don't forget, in this Arizona game, I know that they turned it over. So, you know, it kind of goes against my argument. But he was struggling to get the ball down the field. I mean, they were going to have to punt, and he got that ball to Renfro, and then Renfro fumbled. But, I mean, I just don't see it from Derek Carr. Uh, I I don't love Tennessee's defense. I think Devontae Adams can expose them. Um, Stephon Diggs sure did. So maybe this is the game where Derek Carr and Devontae finally have that connection. But I still – I question their connection so far. I know they're college teammates. I know they have the story. But I, I I really question that. I don't know what the line is here. I'll let Johnny announce that. But I'm going to take the Raiders here. I'm going to take the Raiders to cover. Um, I, I don't know what Tennessee does on offense at the end of the day. Raiders minus two over under 45 and a half. Um, two teams that are 0-2 and, and desperate for a victory. Um, the Titans are in hell right now. And I'll, I'll, you know, pat myself on the back here. My flag plan of the offseason was that the Titans were going to have the biggest regression in the entire um, AFC, if not the entire league. You know, of course, they were the one seed last year, bounced in the first round. Um, 
in the divisional round after their bye. Everything with Ryan Tannehill has been a disaster. Um, he mentioned in the offseason that he had been going to therapy. I've said this before, no shade to the therapy aspect of things. I go to therapy, but um, in, in a year where you admit that, you admit that uh, um, that all the fan noise got to you in the offseason, that it really bothered you enough to where you had to go to therapy, like that puts up a red flag for me. Keep in mind, Ryan Tannehill is like a top 10 paid quarterback in the league, if not close to that. That's a lot of money for a guy that a lot of people don't believe is, is good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Um, and after this year, he has an out in his contract where they where they could move on to the next guy. And they drafted Malik Willis out of Liberty. So all of those factors have led to this point. And what an embarrassing loss to the Bills. Um, after you beat them in prime time last year, you get absolutely shellacked in this game. You lose Taylor Lewan to a knee injury. Um, not sure the extent of that. Uh, Derrick Henry had 13 rushes for 25 yards in this game. Um on the season, Derrick Henry has 34 rushes for 107 yards and one touchdown. That is not the Derrick Henry that we know or the Derrick Henry that the Titans paid. And Ryan Tannehill, uh, before he got benched for Malik Willis against the Bills, was 11 of 20 for 117 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions, one of which was a pick six to a linebacker. So it's really bad in Tennessee. They are going to be desperate. But the Raiders are the better team here. And if Lawan can't go and they can't run, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are going to pin their ears back and they're going to get all over Tannehill, who, of course, like I mentioned before, with everything is, is obviously pressing. Um, one thing I'll say about the Raiders, though, they got whatever they wanted in that first half against the Cardinals, and then it was just dead. Nothing. They couldn't do yeah. anything right on offense. In fact, Devontae Adams, after a huge week one, had two catches for 12 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. Devontae Adams, your guy, two for 19? Come on, that that can't happen. And to me, that's because Derek Carr sucks. I mean, there's a reason he's never won a playoff game um, in his entire uh, career in the league. So um, I'm going to go with you here. I'll take the Raiders minus two, the better team. They got to keep pace in the AFC West. And legitimately, the Titans are in like crisis mode right now. Yeah, I would say two teams that are on the verge of of, of some sort of crisis. Um, we go. We'll skip the Chiefs Colts game for the end here. We'll go to South Beach. Two two and O teams. Miami after an impressive win in Baltimore, the reverse of the Raiders that we just talked about. Miami looked inept in the first half. Ravens had this game won. Um, they come storming back. They you know they finally utilize Tyreek's speed. And the Dolphins pull out a huge win in Baltimore. Um, and we know at Buffalo, Buffalo, man, whew, Buffalo is scary. Um, they look nasty on, on both sides of the football. And really only two sides of the football because they've really only been on kickoff on special teams. They just punted for the first time on Monday night. And they actually got the punt back. The Titans muffed it. Um Things are clicking right now in Buffalo. I think Miami. I think this is, I think this is the best opponent that Miami has played so far, um, by far. Not even close. And uh, I think they might be getting a little, you know, a taste of their medicine here this weekend. I love Buffalo. Johnny tells me it's minus five and a half. I think Buffalo is is the play here wholeheartedly. 
I agree with you. Uh, Buffalo minus five and a half is the pick. It's been very impressive with the Dolphins so far. Um, Tua had a great second half. I mean, he was not very good in the first half. Um, but keep in mind, like the Ravens were, you know, extremely injured. They had like a bunch of rookie fourth rounders in their secondary. Still got to put up. Um, but Tyreek and Tyreek and Waddle are amazing. They're like Tyreek leads the league in receiving right now. I think Waddle's third. Um, like a really fun team to watch. I think Mike McDaniel's doing a lot of good things. But like, like it's Buffalo and Kansas City is the class of the league, and Buffalo is really good. Josh Allen and Diggs are incredible. The Buffalo defense is generating pressure with four. They're not having to blitz very much, if, if at all, and uh, they're they're really impressive. Um, some stats here that I wanted to talk about just to get it out there for everybody. You know, the Bills pass the ball more than anybody in the league, and they do, they do that incredibly at, a, at an incredible efficiency. Um, the Dolphins, with even with their good secondary, the Dolphins are allowing an NFL-worst nine yards per pass attempt, uh, which obviously means that they're letting receivers get open downfield and not generating a pass rush. Uh, to go along with that, uh, their third worst in passer rating, 114.4, so quarterbacks are having success, um, and fifth worst in completion percentage. They're letting quarterbacks complete 71% of their passes, right? So they're letting people get open downfield, they're letting quarterbacks complete passes, and they're letting um, you know the passers operate efficiently, and they only have two sacks on the year. So like, if you can't get after Josh Allen, he's going to pick you apart. And so all you know, Hill and Waddle are balling, Diggs is balling, but the Bills are just better than the Dolphins. And so I'll take them uh, minus five and a half over under is 52. I think that could be fun because I think the Dolphins are going to hang around and the Bills will pull, put it away late. Um, and yeah, dope game, Chandler. This game's awesome. Yeah, this game's cool. And Miami, I believe, if you look back in history, not a friendly place to Buffalo for whatever reason. Seems like they go down there and kind of have some stinkers sometimes. So keep your eye on that. If you would have said three years ago that this was going to be an interesting game, um, I would have laughed at you. Detroit goes to Minnesota and what might be the most fun game that we're going to preview this evening without our Minnesota correspondent, Blaine Wheeler. Minnesota on Monday to a T helped me win my arguments. Uh, I haven't picked them yet this year to win, and I will continue to not pick them for the rest of the season. I will not pick Minnesota to win a game. Frankly, because Kirk Cousins is just inept. I do not understand any argument anymore from Blaine. I'm ne I've never understood it to begin with. I don't understand it now. And Monday night was the absolute staple in, or excuse me, actually it was the nail in the coffin uh, for this argument. What a pathetic performance uh, from Kirk Cousins, quite frankly. A team built around him that is ready to make a run in the NFC. Um and, and they're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it because their quarterback play is just not good enough. I mean, say what you want about his picks on Monday night. I heard some people talking that most of them weren't his fault. I, I really don't care anymore. I mean, how many excuses does this guy get? Um, Detroit's scrappy. And Detroit, fr quite frankly, they can score some points. And obviously, Minnesota's defense is not that good. I look for Goff. He might be able to pick them apart here. Um. I don't know what Minnesota wants to do on offense. I don't get it. They didn't want to run the ball that much. They really couldn't. Philadelphia's defense is very underrated, I think. Um, not that they were 
not that people aren't talking about them, but I think we need to talk about them more. Um, and and we know what Darius Slay and their pass defense can do. So it, it, it doesn't make any sense. He only wants to throw to Justin Jefferson. And when he tries, I, I mean, in what world does Adam Thielen have have like two targets? And I know that because he was in my, he's one of my fantasy wide receivers. I, I would be even more irate if I needed Thielen to do something to win this fantasy matchup, luckily I won, but you got to distribute the ball. I mean, they know that you're going to Justin Jefferson and rightfully so, but this Minnesota offense cannot understand for whatever reason that it needs to distribute the ball. Kirk can't distribute the ball. In my opinion, I take the, uh, the Johnny to send me the line, Minnesota minus six. Give me the lions, man, for sure. Lions, Johnny. I just, Kirk is a nerd. Like, I fucking hate this guy, man. Like, I – How do you gambling, defend him? Gambling, gambling is so hard just to begin with. But – and I, I've been getting destroyed already this year. Um, I put in a teaser that I thought on Monday night that I thought, like, there was no way that it could fail. All right? So, for the people that don't know, it, you know, a teaser is like a parlay, but the lines are teased. This is a 10-point teaser, so the Lions are, are teased 10 points in, 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 in the other direction. So um, the first leg of the teaser was Bills as a pick right? Took that. That hit, and that was great. I mean, I thought that was an absolute guarantee. The second leg of the, um, of the teaser was Vikings plus 13. I never thought in my wildest dreams, or I guess that would be, you know, like my worst nightmare – that the Vikings would lose by two touchdowns here. They lost by 17. And so that, you know, they lost by 17. And uh, I was so mad at Kirk watching this game. I mean, I was furious. But what made it even worse and more cruel, like the teaser was dead after, you know, they, they lost by 17. But the third leg of the teaser, the, the original over-under was 49 and a half, which is what I was, I thought, I thought that was high. I got the over-under at 39 and a half. I was like, oh, these guys have to just have to combine for 40 points? Hell yeah. The score at halftime was 24, uh, 24 to 7, 31 points. I was like, I only need nine points. These fucking teams didn't score a single point in the second half. I mean, just, st- just fucking shoot me in the head. Like, I was <laughs> furious. And then to watch Kirk Cousins this whole time go 27 of 46, 221 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions which should have been like six or seven interceptions to throw two picks in the red zone just like you know I wish Blaine was here to talk about this and like I've been I think I've been nicer than you Chandler like I think Kirk sucks I think the Vikings have a good roster but Kirk fucking blows and it was on display um on Monday night you know if I was defensive coordinator I would send blitzers on every single play to Kirk. He can't move, and he just kind of flips it up to no man's land as soon as he sees pressure. Um, I'm going to take a breath here because I, I, I got more to say on this game, Chandler. But here, let me, let uh, me keep in mind that – Yeah, go, please go ahead. A point I'd like to bring up, he threw the ball 46 times, and he targeted a former all-pro wide receiver – once like who was he throwing it to how many like you know like eventually what clicks in your brain where you're like hey maybe i should start throwing the ball around the field so that way maybe just jefferson can get open you know 
and and Chandler Kirk was the lead like to to it was just a total debacle like it was a total shit your pants game from the entire Vikings team you know coach Kevin O'Connell they looked good in their first game against the Packers comes in here young coach looked terrible uh Kirk Cousins was the leading rusher on the team two for 20 yards Dalvin Cook didn't even have 20 yards rushing I mean, what what in God's name are we doing here? They kept trying to run screens to him because they were just bringing constant pressure. The Lions are going to do the same thing. That's why I'm taking them plus six here. Like, the, Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks on Sunday. He is going to get after Kirk's ass, and Kirk cannot move. And so um, I hope this is not a letdown spot for the Lions. The Lions have had some weird games. Um, they tried to blow the game to the Commanders, but – when we get to them later, we'll we'll talk about how crappy their quarterback is. But um, I mean, dude, like, like who's gonna cover Amon Ross St. Brown? Amon Ross St. Brown's amazing. Nine for one sixteen and two last week, two for sixty-eight on the ground. The Vikings are gonna lose this game, man. And I do I really wish Blaine was here because I I cannot fucking stand this Kirk Cousins guy. This guy sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really bad right now. I don't I don't understand. Moving forward, we go to Foxborough. Uh, I feel like we haven't said we're going to Foxborough yet this year. This this could be their home opener, I think, isn't it? It is. It is uh, New England's home opener at Gillette Stadium, and they're going to take on Baltimore in a historic AFC uh, rivalry. A um, lot of really big games between these two, and I think this game, in my opinion, could have stink kind of written on it. I think it could be stinky. Um, quite frankly, because I think Bill Belichick can run circles and play chess with Lamar's brain. And I think Patriots defense, um, I think they can make this um I think they can make this kind of a nasty game. And I think that really benefits them. Um on the flip side, Mac Jones, ugh, I mean, what I think he had one touchdown last week against uh the um Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but it, he's the, the Patriots offense is just so inept. There's no explosiveness, nobody cool on that offense, in my opinion. Um, no receivers, no real weapons. I think Baltimore's defense can get after it. But quite frankly, they just gave up 40 however many points to Miami. I think there is ways for this New England team to maybe get after this defense, but I don't think it's happening. I think they're too too powerful up front. I'll take Baltimore all day in this, but look for this to be like a like a 14-10 type of game. I really do think Bill Belichick can draw something up and get after Lamar. I really do. There's a lot to chew on here. Uh Chandler Limes minus three for the Ravens. Um I I I my opinion of Baltimore didn't really change after last week's when they blew it to Miami. Um still think Baltimore can be a good team. The problem is, is it's like this team can't stay healthy. They're injured again. Uh, Lamar swears he, he's going to play on Sunday, but he has a bit of an elbow issue, and he didn't throw today at practice. Like, so it's just something to monitor. Now, um, he didn't run much week one. He certainly ran week two. He is just incredible to watch as a runner of the football, and he was, he was throwing well, too. Like, he had an incredible game, and if you had him in fantasy – if you had Lamar in fantasy on 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 Sunday, uh, you were a happy person. But Baltimore's injuries are piling up. They hosted 
uh, Jason Pierre Paul, uh, free agent uh, edge rusher on a visit today. Um, I haven't seen if they've signed him or not, but they're not generating an edge rush. Calais Campbell did not practice today. And um, they're going to have to get healthy. The, the, the thing, though, that I, I, I just don't think New England is, is scoring a lot of points. So, like, what's the number that Baltimore has to get to, right? Like, right. I, I legitimately think, like, if Baltimore gets to 24 points, there's no way that New England can keep up with 24 points um at the same time i've got a i've got a stat for you uh new england under bill belichick as a home underdog it's happened 19 times in the bill belichick era in in new england they've been a home underdog 19 times in those games uh they are 15 and 4 against the spread per vegas insider which is a verified source uh per source and uh nice sources yeah so you know 15 and 4 i mean they, they cover the spread you know we were all over the steelers last week right wow. to cover against the patriots and and they didn't do it and um i i think you're right i think this has like low scoring written on it that's the only way the patriots can win is if if it's kept low scoring i just think with lamar like they're going to be able to score enough to cover here um and break another streak. The Ravens have never won in the regular season in Foxborough. They're they've never won. So uh, that's that's per another source, Jamison Hensley, which is the ESPN insider for the Baltimore Ravens. So um, and, and Tyquan Thornton is a guy that the Patriots just drafted out of Baylor, like a really skinny speedster wide receiver. They drafted him fairly early. He's hurt. How are the Patriots going to score enough points to keep in this thing? I I don't know. Give me the Ravens. We move to New York, where the New York Jets will be hosting the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Jets, feeling frisky. Steal one in Cleveland. Um, They had a decent showing against the Ravens in week one. This Jets team is not an easy out anymore. And I think that the trend right now is that there aren't that many easy outs in this league at the moment. Um, We'll get to some of the other teams later. But Bengals go to New York. Bengals have a weird start. Um, they're doing that thing where they're in every game, but like they're having to fight and claw their way back into these games. I mean, in the the Steelers were up big on Cincinnati. The Cowboys were up two scores on Cincinnati, and both those games went into overtime, if I'm not mistaken, unless the Cowboys won it late in in, uh, in regulation. But dropping both. Um, Burrow does not look comfortable in the pocket. Um, their offensive line's not gelling yet. It is new. So I think that there is room to leave, you know, some growth and some development, but they need to get it figured out. And I think they do this week. I think, um, the jets are just a little too young. I love their roster right now, but I think with, uh, with the experience and the, the overall talent of the Bengals here, I think you have to go Bengals. I think it'd be foolish to bet on the Jets in this one. I'll take Cincinnati minus five. But this Jets team is in the right direction. Um, You know, I think this team weirdly believes in Flacco um, until they get Zach Wilson back. And and I I would not be surprised if if the Jets could cover cover this, if they were plus five. I really couldn't. Well, you just said that you're a fool if you if you were to bet the Jets, and you're looking at a fool right here because I'm going to bet the Jets plus five. Um, 
you mentioned that offensive line for Cincinnati. Yes. I, and I said this point too last week. It's like very concerning so far with that offensive line, but they are new. You know, the Chiefs offensive line took a few weeks to get gelling when they they brought in five new starters last uh, last year. But the, the the Chiefs didn't didn't look as horrible as this Bengals offensive line is. In fact, it's unprecedented. Burrow has been sacked 13 times in two games. I mean, what the fuck are these guys doing up front? Or, or, or is it, or is it Burrow's pocket awareness or he's holding on to the ball or guys aren't getting open? I, I don't know what, it, I don't know what it is, it's, but it's, it's just bad. You know, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and they looked really good. Burrow had a couple games last year with 500 passing yards. We saw what he did with Jamar Chase to the Chiefs. The Bengals have three touchdowns through two games. I mean, they cannot move the football because of all the pressure that's being put um, by defense by defenses on on Burrow. So it's an interesting game. The Jets are coming off of a huge momentum builder, a great, a really insane win. Um, the Jets won their game last year against the Bengals in a weird a weird matchup. Um, so they know how to beat this team. And one thing that I saw, which was kind of weird, I don't know if – let me, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I saw today that Joe Burrow removed Twitter and Instagram from his phone. Like, he didn't delete his accounts, but, like, he just took the apps off of his phone maybe to get more focused or whatever. Like, first off, why do you even need to tell us that? And second off, you know, what is this a big deal? Do, do you think, Chandler? No, I really don't. Um, I mean, it is with whatever you want to do. I mean, you can, you know, if you don't want them on your phone, don't have them on your phone. But yeah, I think it's weird to like tell, like, why would you come out and say that? Just like do it. Exactly. Um, it kind of almost like seems like he wants that attention in some way. Um, and it's really irrelevant to anybody but him. So <laughs> yeah, weird. The Bengals need this win. Um, I was looking at the schedule going forward. So if, after this week, the Bengals play the Dolphins at home. Um, and then the Bengals play in, in week five, they play the Ravens. So like in Baltimore, like the Bengals need to beat the Jets here. And yeah. so uh, that plays more to your side of the bet, but I'll, I'll take the Jets plus five. Yeah, I love it. Um, Philadelphia in the NFC East division matchup with Washington Commanders this weekend in Landover, Maryland, um, outside of the Bills and Chiefs, I'm very comfortable in saying that the Philadelphia Eagles had the most impressive performance um, in week two. Um, and I really don't know that it's close. Um, Philadelphia looked dominant on all uh, on all fronts um, in this one. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they're that much better. Than, I mean, I think they're way better than the Vikings, but like that sort of game better. I don't know if they can keep that up. They are a legit contender in the NFC, in my opinion, especially what we've seen so far in the whole in the NFC as a whole. I mean, right now they're the best team, in my opinion. So, um, I look for them to flat get after the Commanders, and it, it's going to make me sound like a hypocrite given the um, stock that this podcast myself heavily invested in that. Um, on the Washington Commanders to start this football season is really going to make me eat my words the rest of the season, but I'm fine with it because they're just not very good. Um, 
You know, they try to make it interesting against the Lions. But that's the that's Carson Wentz's career to a T. He's in garbage time and he just throws the ball over the place. And like they kind of kind of excuse me, they can kind of make it interesting, but it's not gonna work against a team with this much talent and this much honestly put togetherness, if that's even a phrase. But the Eagles look very well, well ran right now. Um uh, Jalen Hurts, really awesome to see for whatever reason. I just have always kind of rooted for him. Um, I think that has to do more with college, but I think the Eagles roll here. Johnny, I think you said it was what minus what'd you say? Minus six and a half. Yeah. I think that's I think that's comfortable. I think they're more than a touchdown victor in this game. Johnny. Yeah, one of the things that I'm so glad that I did um over the offseason, we picked our division winners or play or whatever playoff teams or whatever it was. And I I like in the middle of the podcast, I changed because you and Blaine were so high on the commanders to pick the commanders to make the playoffs and uh, the Eagles to miss the playoffs before we did our week one slate breakdown. I took some time and I was like, guys, I can't do this. Like, I think the Eagles are, I don't know if I think the Eagles are as good as they've shown so far. They, they've certainly looked way better than I thought. Um, but I think they're better than the commanders and, and would make the playoffs. Well, um, through two games, they are the best team in the NFC. Um, they look great. Jalen Hurts on, on Monday was 26 of 31 for 333 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then on the ground, he was 11 for 57 and two touchdowns. I mean, just a, a nightmare matchup for defensive coordinators. And um, I, I've been critical of Jalen Hurts, and he's making me eat those words. Couldn't, you know, and I have nothing against these guys. It just makes for a captivating podcast. So, so good for Jalen. Um, Jalen is a guy who's dealt with a ton of criticism, right? Like going back to his Alabama days, right? Like he, he, he wins a, what did he win a national championship or a, or a Heisman or whatever it was. And then, you know, has to transfer because he's not their guy anymore. I believe it was Tua who replaced him. And uh, well, he, he, he won the national title, but he got pulled in the game. For Tua, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then they go with Tua the next year, and then he goes to Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then he gets drafted um, while the Eagles have Carson Wentz and in the second round, and the fans are just, like, perplexed, distraught. They couldn't believe they took a quarterback in, in the second round. And it didn't look like a great pick until – these first couple of games, but man, Jalen hurts. Good, good for that guy. Like, and really all, a lot of that production was in, in the first, the first half, he had a great game on Monday and uh, you know, kudos to him. I want to get your opinion on this though. Like, okay. Carson Wentz. It, I have my note here. I say Wentz can have good numbers in the box score but he is so frustrating to watch and I cannot imagine being a fan of the team that he is the starter for Carson Wentz was 30 of 46, 337 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And I thought he was awful against the Detroit lions. What what do you think about, about Carson Wentz? Yeah, I mean that's that's my that was what I said when we started talking about this game. I mean, he just it's like he 
And when he gets way, way behind after doing inept things, all of a sudden it like clicks in his brain that he can like throw it around the yard a little bit. Um, and I think that's the biggest issue in terms of teams trying to like bring him in. It's like the guy has talent. Like he can throw the football. It's just like he does those three or four or ten things that just like put you in this hole that you can't get out of. And that's exactly it's every game too. It's every, every game. It, he's like it's like a different type of Kirk Cousins in a way, um, and that's why this guy stuck around the league, and that's why this guy starts in the NFL is because like people know what he's capable of, but he just doesn't do it consistently at all. Um, and I think that's his biggest issue, Johnny. Sorry, I was muted. I think uh, with the line being six and a half here, um, I'm not going to bet this game, but. For the sake of just the record, I'm going to take Washington plus six and a half here. I think the Eagles win the game. But with it being at home, a divisional game, I mean, yeah. it, it, it could it could stay close. Um, this is Carson Wentz's old team, right? The Philadelphia who drafted him, like a lot of history there. So he'll, he'll – I mean, if he's not going to be able to get up for this game and perform well, how, how else – how could you in any other game? So – um, yeah, Carson Wentz is incredibly frustrating. That line that I read, I mean, the box score says he had a great game on, against the Lions on Sunday. But, um, again, I thought he, he he was horrible. And uh, I'll take the commanders, though, plus six and a half. Yep. Um, and, well, not to go against you here, Johnny, but this is a revenge game for Jalen Hurts. Last time he was at the stadium, the stadium attacked him physically. So he's looking oh for he's looking yeah. for serious revenge in this one. <laughs> he, he he physically got attacked by the stadium when he was here um, just a year ago. We head to Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers will be hosting the New Orleans Saints in a divisional showdown um, at Bank of America Stadium. Good for the listeners to know where this game will be at. The last game of the noon slate. New Orleans in a weird game last week against the Buccaneers, a really black game, um, kind of a, just a disgusting uh, Jameis Winston, INT-filled game. Um, really, the offense lost this one uh, for the Saints because the Saints defense pretty much balled up Tom Brady in the, um, in the, 40, in the Buccaneers offense. Um so much so that it got Mike Evans suspended for a game. Um, you know, just real quick on that. Well, no, well, I guess we'll talk about that when we get to Tampa. But uh, I, I think New Orleans is just a better team here. Carolina, um, prone to ineptness. It's continuing. Um, I mean, the Browns game still just sticks in my head. Like, how did they not win that game? Um, New Orleans bounces back here. Carolina, not that good. New Orleans. Um. Matt Rule's seat, head coach of the the Panthers, Matt Rule, he has the hottest seat in the NFL right now. His job is on the line. And, like, they, they – I don't know what his contract looks like. I don't know how they want to do this, like, you know, pu- publicity-wise. But I mean, it's, this guy is – this guy's going to get fired this year. And, you know, maybe he's just a really good college coach. Uh, but Matt Rule just is not cutting it at the pro level. Chandler, listen to this. <laughs> listen to this stat. Um, as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule has a record of one and twenty-four 
when his team allows 17 or more points. 17! 1 and 24 when his team allows 17 or more points. And that defense has some talent, but the to Matt Rule's defense, they have just been in quarterback hell the entire time that he's been there. Baker is bad. And I know he came into the organization late, but like you got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. I know your offensive line's not great, but you got to be better than that, bro. But, but Baker Mayfield was 14 of 29 for 145 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions on Sunday. That's a 48% completion percentage. Just throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey. You know, McCaffrey had a pretty nice game. He he didn't get in the end zone, but he had 15 uh, for 102 on the ground and four for 26 through the air. Like, so that's 19 touches. He he, he needs 10 more touches than that. And this, this offense is inept. They're not running a lot of plays. They're not having a lot of success. And, um, Carolina's lost nine straight going back to last year. That's the longest losing streak in the NFL right now. And like I started this off, Matt, I mean, Matt Rule is coaching for his job every single week. With the line being three, with Jameis's back being all jacked up, in a must must win situation, um, I'm going to take Carolina plus three here. Wow, I don't, I don't love it, but I I, I just. I thought New Orleans offensively was awful last week. Awful. No Kamara. No Kamara, true. But, you know, Jameis had some really bad picks. I think that he's got like four fractures in his back. I think that's bothering him. And I think that with as 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 much as Carolina needs to win at home against a divisional opponent here, um, I'll take them plus three. What's weird for me about Matt Rule, real quickly before we move on, is that I don't actually think that he cares – that his seat is as hot as it is because I think he wants to be back in college. I really do. I think he like is just kind of like, you know, obviously wanting to win and whatever, but like, I, I don't, he doesn't seem urgent. He seems like really lackadaisical and like, not like, I don't know, maybe that's just his sideline demeanor, but it just seems really like mellow in Carolina. Like he just doesn't necessarily care if he gets fired. If he gets fired, he gets fired and he'll go back to college. I mean, I really think that's kind of his mindset without knowing the guy. Exactly. Like the, like the eyeball test, I agree with you 100%. Like this is a guy who turned around the Temple program and then he turned around, was it Baylor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Temple and Baylor, you know, he came in after the Art Bryles disaster in Bay at, at Baylor and got Baylor's them back a to, a, to a winning culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Matt Rule. Okay, this is going to sound weird. I'm going to, uh, you know, I watch a lot of cow herds, so I'm going to make an analogy here. Like, mm-hmm. off the eyeball test, how he looks, how he speaks in his press conferences, the way that the sideline is is being, it, it just looks, right? Like, I agree. Like, it doesn't feel like a hard-nosed football team. He He's like, you know, when you go to college your first year and, like, you get the really cool RA at your dorms. <laughs> like, he, like, Matt yeah. Rule is an RA. Like, like he, he loves his school. He wants everyone to, like, succeed and get to class. Like you're not seeing, like you're not seeing your RA like taking Jaeger shots at fucking Finnegan's. Like no. your RA, your you see your RA at the at the dining hall, or you see your RA walking to class. Like Matt Rule is, he's an RA and needs to go <laughs> back to college. 
Love it. Yeah, that's a, I love the analogy. Well done, Cowherd. Well done. Okay, before we get into the 305 slate, let's go over the figured out NFL pick'em pool updated standings after week two. Now we'll start with Johnny. He is in 15th, but he is one week behind us. Um so he, actually, he actually got five points um for his first time. Decent, decent job here. Um you're tied with Hayden for 15th. Very well done. Matt Gibson remains in first place, the Higginsville legend, as Blaine so uh, called him last week, with 17 points. Our buddy Josh Wolbrand moves into second with 16 points. Uh, Caleb Briggs, he is at 14 points in third. Bo Mackey and Withrow uh, round out the top four, or excuse me, the top five with 13 points apiece. I currently reside in sixth place with 12 points. I'm alone in sixth place. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, and Blaine, <laughs> Blaine did not do his picks this week. Wow. Blaine did not, Blaine has some serious explaining to do, people. First off, he couldn't be more wrong about Kirk Cousins, and he doesn't fill out his pick em pod uh, picks. And he is the one who created this damn pool. He is he, Amy Pottist is biting at Blaine's heels right now in 11th place with six points. Unbelievable job by Blaine Wheeler this week. Cannot believe it. I think we bothered him. Yeah, it seems as though we might have bothered him. Um, unbelievable. So... Matt Gibson, first place. Josh Wolbrand, second. Caleb Briggs in third place in the Figure It Out pod pick and pool. Appreciate you guys, everybody participating, even though some of us seem to be slacking. We'll get back into the slate. Jacksonville travels to the West Coast to take on the Los Angeles Chargers in Inglewood, California. Before I get into the game here, I'm on ESPN looking at the schedule and just want to mention this. Jacksonville at Los Angeles. Tickets as low as $17 for one of the best teams in the NFL. That just goes to show you the difference between organizations like the Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. And really, the LA market sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's just embarrassing. But back to the game Jacksonville, one of those teams that we're, that I'm comfortable with saying is not going to be an easy out this year. Very impressive last week against the Colts. Um, defensively and offensively, Trevor Lawrence seems to be settled in a little bit through two weeks. Um, I like what I saw last week from him. Um, I think that this coaching change is exactly what we needed. I still think he's young, but like we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, he is a rookie this year. He's one of the very rare instances where he literally is starting completely over in his true second year. Um, and and he's going to make young mistakes, and I think he'll make some young mistakes this week, but the sky right now is the limit for Trevor Lawrence. He seems to have bought in. Um, but unfortunately, his opponent we saw last Thursday, they're just too good uh, for the Jaguars in this one. Um, their roster's better. The quarterback's better. The receivers are better. Um, and the defense is flat out better. Um, I think the Chargers handle business at home. Look out for this game, though, to be a game the Chargers could potentially charger, um, let Jacksonville maybe move up and down the field a little bit late to make it kind of interesting. But I think the Chargers um, handle business. 
and I will take Chargers minus seven for sure. Johnny? Yeah, I got I got a lot to say about all this stuff. I love talking NFL, but certainly about this game. Um, I was all over the Jags betting-wise week one. They broke my heart. I was all over the Jaguars betting-wise until 11 a.m. Central time on Sunday, and I let fucking Blaine talk me out of it, and I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done listening to other people. I'm going to be <laughs> myself. I love the Jaguars. Right? Wow. Chiefs are number one. They're, the Johnny Road Jags are going to cover the seven points here because Chargers, Chargers are going to win the, you know, on paper are going to win the game. Um, but I'm taking the Jags. I think seven's too many points. And I legitimately think that the, the, the thing that's going to hold the Chargers back is what held them back last year. I don't think their coach is very good. I don't, I, they, I think they're an undisciplined team. You know, they had the Chiefs on the ropes there. Of course, the Chiefs got a long interception, but, you know, the, the, the Chiefs won the game, and that bumps Brandon Staley's career record as a coach in this league to 10-9, and nine, you know, with Justin Herbert and Derwin James and Bosa and, like, you know, the, the, the secondary on that team is freaking ridiculous, man. And, like, J.C. Jackson – Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., Nasir Adderley, like Bryce Callahan, like the, and then you got Bosa and you got Mac. Like the, these guys are are really good, and, and they still lose. And I think they're. I think the Jaguars with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are going to be able to keep this game relatively close. Uh, Lawrence was good for him on Sunday, uh, 25 of 30 for two touchdowns, two, no, no interceptions, 235 yards, incredibly efficient. Um, they dominated the game and he was facilitating the football. That's all you could ask of this young guy to do. And so, Oh, and he's also, he's got a great, Justin, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence has a great connection right now with Christian Kirk. Yeah. Um, we'll get, you know, I, I don't know if we've talked about, uh, we haven't, we'll talk about the Cardinals later, but, I really think Cliff Kingsbury is another bad coach and uh, it just shows that he couldn't get it going much with Christian Kirk in Arizona because the Jaguars went out to everyone's surprise, paid Christian Kirk a lot of money and he has produced handsomely the first two games um, so far. And so Chandler, I, yeah, I think the chargers could fuck around a charger here. Uh, Herbert has the rib issue. He's probably going to be fine, but I mean, Oh, in what, 10 days? You can't be yeah. 100% from that. Is Keenan Allen going to play? Is their center Corey Lindsley going to play? He's an all-pro, and he, he left during the Chiefs game. So with the injuries, with how the Jags are playing, with the Doug Peterson coaching advantage, give me the Jags plus seven. Sorry, that was a lot to lot to say. There. No, love it, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, the Chargers are set up kind of poorly here, I agree. Uh, it, interestingly enough, you brought them up. We moved to Arizona. They host the Los Angeles Rams in an NFC West matchup between two one-on-one teams. Both teams presumably pretty lucky to be one-on-one. Um, both teams could easily be 0-2. Um, Arizona with the historic – or not historic, the, uh, you know, just the unbelievable finish um, – against the Raiders on Sunday to win the game. And then the Rams, like I said earlier, tried to mess around and lose to the Falcons. Um, right now, I think these are two teams that are kind of just struggling putting an entire game together. Um, so one of them is going to break here, in my opinion. 
and I really don't know which one it's going to be. I really don't. It's tough to it's tough to know. It's tough to know what Kyler is really good at when you see throws like that two point conversion to AJ Green in the back of the end zone. It's like why can't he just do that all the time? Or when you see runs like when he runs eighty one yards to go fifteen yards and score the you know the game extending touchdown. Um, it just baffles you when you see him play the way he played for basically three and four-fifths quarters, if that even makes sense, of a football game. He was – they were inept. They were dead. And then all of a sudden he decided to turn it on. And that's what kind of both of these teams are prone to um, so far through two weeks of this season. And uh, it, it's a toss-up for me. I'm going to go with the Rams here. Um, I just think the Rams are a little bit better, but don't be surprised if this game is closer than what we really think it should be on paper. Give me the Rams. Um, yeah, I will take the Rams as well. Uh, three and a half is, is the line. Um, (laughs) I think that Cliff Kingsbury is a, I think he's a bad NFL head coach and it, it maybe just, it goes beyond that. This game was 100% won by Kyler Murray. And when they got the the fumble six at the end, um, which the guy almost pulled Deshaun Jackson and yeah. dropped the ball. You know, I don't understand why guys drop the ball. I mean, the whole, I mean, the whole mindset is I'm not supposed to drop this thing. Like, so just hold on to it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, anyways, um, <laughs> I just think Cliff Kingsbury is like, just, I think he's fake. Like, I think it's, I think he, people think he's a sharp guy. I think that's all fake news. You know, he couldn't win with Mahomes as his quarterback and he hasn't won other than the start to last year with Kyler as his quarterback. I mean, it's, it's just been, it's just been a disaster and Kyler just pulls a rabbit out of a hat sometimes. And yeah, and is amazing. You know, some of the comments from Kingsbury after, they got destroyed by the chiefs were, were pretty alarming for me, you know, kind of stuff like uh, we thought we had a good week of practice, but we were just outmatched in every facet of the game out coached, um, you know, saying stuff kind of like that, like, you know, if your seat going into the season is kind of hot, what, why in the first game of the year, are you act, are you saying that you were out, you were outmatched and not prepared? And then you put up three and a half quarters of, of whatever the hell that was um, on Sunday against the Raiders. Again, you were, you weren't prepared and you were bailed out by Kyler and, and your defense making a big play um, in overtime. And then Cliff is of course celebrating on the field. Like he fucking did something like, I'm sure he's a great guy. My quarterback, Patrick, our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, speaks highly of Cliff. He's probably like, you know, like the cool teacher, right? Like he's good looking, he's young, um, probably a great recruiter. You know, I wouldn't want my wife around him because if she was going to commit adultery, it'd probably be with him. Uh, but, you know, from an NFL X's and O's running a billion dollar organization's product on the field, like I am not impressed um, at all with Cliff. Um, so, I will definitely take the 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 Rams minus three and a half. The Rams are eight, one, and one against the spread versus Arizona under McVay. They kicked this team's ass. And finally, I don't mean to pile on the Bears, but I thought this was funny. 
Cooper Cup has 29 targets on the season. Justin Fields has 28 total passing attempts on the year. Cooper Cup has more targets than Fields has total passing attempts. Okay, I know that was kind of mean, but um, Cooper Cup's awesome. 24 for 236 and three touchdowns on the season total so far. Um, I think the Rams roll. We move forward to a battle of the birds in the Pacific Northwest. The Atlanta Falcons travel west to take on the Seattle Seahawks in a game of two not very good football teams. And I think that actually sets us up for a good football game on the West Coast this uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, Falcons, scrappy. I will give them scrappy. They are not a good football team, but they will be in this game. And... I am not going to do it. I really wanted to do it in the last five seconds, but I'm going to stick with Seattle solely based on it being a home game. Um, I just kind of think that that plays a huge factor into it. It kind of makes them feel more comfortable. Um, Johnny just alerted me that it's an absolute pick em. So you really, really, uh, I think you stay away from this game because I don't know that I, I have much for this game. I'm curious to hear what Johnny has to say, but just off my two eyeballs, having watched a little bit of both these teams, woof. I'm glad that the Chiefs are not in either of these positions. Give me Seattle based on nothing but home field. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we go through some of these weird, gross matchups, and I say stuff like, ew, and you call it stinky or whatever. Like, <laughs> these are bad teams. I think it's kind of cool. I, I, yeah. I like this game. Like, I, I, I'm glad you said that. Maybe it's just because, like, uniforms or it's an NFC or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But like, it's Mariota versus Geno Smith. I mean, Ew. like what year is it? <laughs> Mariota versus Geno Smith. Like, is this West Virginia versus Oregon? Like I just, I just yeah, it, it feels literally. weird. So um, I got, you know, pat myself on the back whenever I can. I'm a humble guy, but you know, I got to give credit where it's due. You know, you know, in beer pong, you make one. Make your you know make your second one in a row heating up. Well, I'm I'm heating up on betting on the Falcons. I bet on them to cover the spread in Week One. It looked really bad for the majority of the game in Week Two, but they came back and covered the ten. Um, so I'm heating up right now, and I'm expecting with this to be a pick 'em. I'm expecting the Falcons to win this game, and so I'll be talking in Week Four that I'm on fire on the Falcons. Balls back. I'm on fire. The Falcons are going to win this game. One thing that I will say, though, I hate when coaches do this. Fantasy football is a big – I mean, it is huge with how much the NFL product has grown. Um, it's gotten a lot of people involved with, with the game. Andy Reid just said this recently. I thought it was a great point. It gets it women more involved. Yes, yeah. it gets, it's gotten women involved more in the game. I think that's a great point. My wife – and I have a fantasy team together in, in her league, and we keep up with that on Sundays. Like, fantasy football, maybe some of the guys and, you know, annoy these coaches. I get that. They annoy the shit out of me, too. But, like, for Arthur Smith, the coach of the Falcons, to say the following, I thought was totally unnecessary, okay? They spent the fourth overall draft pick a couple years ago on Kyle Pitts, right? He's a tight end that should be running wide receiver routes, but the Falcons are using him to block – I know tight ends have to do that, but you just think a guy that's built like Kyle Pitts can have some success in the passing game like Travis Kelsey to, to an extent if he's used that way. Um, 
Kyle Pitts in both games that they've played so far has had a stat line of two catches for 19 yards, both games. That's not good enough for a guy you spent the fourth overall pick on, right? Um, Arthur Smith was asked about this and he said, quote, it's not fantasy football. We're just trying to win. You're not winning. So like, Arthur, I understand, you know, you, you, you get annoyed by these fantasy guys, but like, Kyle Pitts is 6'5", 230-something, and he runs a 4'4". Get him the ball. Just give him the ball. Like, stop making him block. I mean, for the love of God, you made Cor- – Arthur Smith made Cordero Patterson work, who was like a guy who got three carries a game and did kickoff returns for his entire career, and Cordero Patterson is having success on this team. So I don't want to hear that kind of shit from Arthur Smith. And having said all of that, I just think the Seattle defense or Seattle offense is too gross. I mean, they're running back through an interception in their last game. So uh, give me, give me Atlanta. Yep. I love it. Green Bay at Tampa Bay, a battle of the bays. We go from a battle of birds, the battle of the bays, one green, one Tampa. And this sets up to be maybe one of the best games of the afternoon. And I'll go ahead and say it right off the bat here. I think Tampa's in a weird spot. Um, had it not been for Tampa having a pick six, um, the Saints are right in the game with Tampa. Um, Tom, I, I don't, I'm not going to bet against him until, you know, I see it happen, but he just doesn't look great right now. I don't know that Tampa knows what they want to do on offense. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, Mike Evans had a good week one um, against Dallas, but. You know, he gets suspended last – or he gets suspended from the game, um, thrown out of the game, suspended this week. He will not be playing against the Packers. Um, Julio Jones, I don't know – speaking of fantasy football, I don't know why I continue to do this, but somehow I have Julio Jones on, like, three of my benches. And, like, you're just, like, waiting for this guy to do something because you know what he is, but the dude just can't stay healthy. The Buccaneers have something that I learned today called Veterans Day, where Julio Jones doesn't practice on Wednesdays. So you never know what his status is going into the weekend. It's so ridiculous. Um, and he, I just don't love the, the direction that Tampa's going right now. They seem banged up. Their defense is good. That's a different story. But on offense, it, it I, I don't know what the direction is they want to go. I don't know if Tom wants to throw it all over the yard. I don't know if they want to hand it to, to Lenny. Um, right now, they have really big uh, question marks. And quite honestly, Johnny, I think the big part of it is Tom doesn't have that tight end right now, in my opinion. He doesn't have Gronk out there. He doesn't have the guy he's always had who's just been able to manhandle the middle of the field and, and occupy space. And right now, I think the defenses are able to – to hone in on what they're trying to do on offense. I mean, Tom Brady was throwing that tablet around again on the sideline. Like he's frustrated. This offense is frustrated. And, and I think green Bay got a lot of confidence after this Packers or excuse me, after this bears victory on Sunday night football, I kind of, I'm leaning, I'm taking green Bay here. The whole Tampa Bay thing is really weird, man. Like, Two wins, right? They're two and zero, but two ugly wins. Like they, they really didn't look impressive at all. And I really think a lot of it stems from like Tom doesn't have anybody he can trust, right? You know, Mike in this game, this game coming up, Mike Evans is not playing. Like you said, Godwin and Julio both didn't practice on Wednesday. They just signed Cole Beasley to the practice squad for God's sake. 
like R- Russell Gage doesn't look like the the connection is there. They got another white guy who's like a short speedster on their team. I can't remember his name, but um, Scotty Miller, that's his yeah. name. It couldn't connect with Scotty Miller either. Like it, it, it just looks weird. And I and I've Cowherd's been saying that Tom is living separately from Giselle right now, and he took that like. 10 days, two weeks off in the middle of training camp. He looks rail thin. Like he looks like he's lost a lot of weight or maybe got plastic surgery, like just some weird shit going on in Tampa. And so I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take Green Bay here plus one. Um, I think it's a good measuring stick game uh, for both teams. It's it's Brady versus Rodgers, even though both rosters look different than they have yeah. before. And, you know, it, the Buccaneers won that game last week, but God, Brady was 18 of 34 for 190 and one. Like, it's just not a very impressive line. Whereas Rodgers was 19 of 25, 234 and two, like just looked very good, very efficient. Um, I thought that it was, they didn't do this week one with the Packers, but they got Aaron Jones involved early and often against the Bears and, and they had success. I mean, he's, he's their most talented offensive weapon. You got to get that guy involved 15 for 132 and one on the ground that's 8.8 yards per carry and then he had three for 38 and one uh through the through the air so um Packers plus one here over unders 42 that could go over I could see the over there yeah I can see the over there for sure let's move to mile high Denver hosting San Francisco before we get into the game, good Lord, Russ is just so cringe. I don't think he has one real fan right now. I don't think Denver likes him right now. I don't think that anybody outside that just likes football would cheer for this guy right now. Um, just a lot of ineptness right now. I do not understand. Now, a lot of it has to do with their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who's made some bad, bad clock issues, clock decisions through the first two uh, weeks. Um, weird that field goal against Seattle decision, all that kind of stuff. A lot of that we talked about it last week too, like Johnny did. And I won't go <clears throat> as long um, with that because we already mentioned it. Because I mean, Ru- some of this is on Russell. Some of these decisions, Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He has the right over a year one coach, in my opinion, to to handle some of these situations by himself, and he's just not doing it either. Um. Denver looks like the worst. Well, they still, in my opinion, they're still third in this division. I think they are better than than Vegas, but they're in a weird spot. San Francisco, what an what an unbelievable move by them re-signing Jimmy G. Um, obviously horrific injury, and don't wish that on anybody, but um, they're in maybe the best decision in, or excuse me, the best shape of the NFL's history in terms of losing your starting day one quarterback and having a backup signed with the capabilities of Jimmy G. Um, I really think that the Niners go into mile high and win this game. They're a better football team right now. Their defense is playing better. Um, Their quarterback is playing better right now. Um, I think they run all over the place and, and Jimmy G takes care of the football and Niners all day. Niners all day right here. Minus one and a half. You don't, never want to see somebody get hurt. It sucks with Trey Lance. Um, yeah, Jimmy G's probably the 
the better option for this team to win right now, though. Mm-hmm. Like as as hard as that is to say, like I hope Trey Lance has a speedy recovery um, in his back, and I hope he has success in this league. Um, but you know, Jimmy Jimmy knows what he's doing with this team, and yeah. uh, th- this I think is kind of th- this might be where Hackett gets exposed. Um, and his staff, because, you know, look, look, what have, what have the Broncos done so far? And it's been a disaster with Hackett, right? They played Geno Smith and, and Pete Carroll, and they should have won the game, but but they lost. And then the next week they played Davis Mills and Lovey Smith. You're getting Garoppolo and Shanahan this week. Got two guys that have been to a Super Bowl together, okay? The, the Broncos, yeah, yeah, they have no touchdowns in the red zone, 22 plays, they're 0 of 6, two turnovers in the red zone. Um, Russ is, I mean, telling his professional team, I think I brought this up last week, but like making his pro- team of professionals say runner pass on the sideline. like So bad. Dude, fuck Russell Wilson. Like, I know he's a man of God and whatever, but, bro, he's so cringe. And f- it's it seems fake. Um, this line opened – when when the lines first came out, so this is before Trey Lance got hurt. This line opened at Denver minus three, and it's gotten to 49ers minus one and a half. So Vegas thinks they're going to win the game. Vegas thinks that Jimmy G is the better option for the 49ers to win right now. George Kittle's back at practice today. He hasn't played this year. Getting Kittle back with Garoppolo and, you know, Shanahan, use check. They signed Tevin Coleman back to the practice squad. I mean, this is the 49ers that we've known. Uh, for a while, and I just think that they are going to swallow up the Broncos um, with that 49ers defense, and and yeah, um, I, it just seems like Nathaniel Hackett's way over his head. Like, I've seen a lot of – Chandler, like, we've seen a lot of rookie head coaches and new head coaches. I cannot remember it looking this poorly managed through two games. I mean, it is bad. Chandler, they <laughs> they, they had the – they had so many delay of games – the fans in Denver, every play when, when the Broncos were on offense, yeah. were counting down the play clock. Hackett had to burn a timeout after they forced a punt. They, they, got, they, they forced the other team, the, the Texans, to punt. They didn't have a punt returner on the field. They ran 10 guys, and then he saw that there was nobody back. They had 10 players on the field. Had to call a timeout. It's a disaster right now. And I think that – I think the players know that Russ is a weirdo too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's just pick who we want Monday night. Let's not spend time on Dallas at the New York Giants. Say something nice about the New York Giants, though. They are 2-0, and which I would not have said before the season started. Um, craziness. Um, that's the NFL right there, though. Like Johnny said, any given week, anybody can win. Um, I'm taking the Giants. I think they go to 3-0. and Dallas, Cooper Rush back out there. No way the magic happens two weeks in a row. Uh, give me the Giants on Monday night and what will presumably be a fired up MetLife Stadium. Worst two and O team I've seen in a while. I hate the Cowboys. Give me the Giants minus one. And one funny thing, they they paid Kenny Galladay like two years ago, four years, seventy two million dollars, and on forty three Daniel Jones dropbacks, Galladay ran two routes on Sunday. That's <laughs> wow. terrible. That's horrible. <laughs> That's literally horrible. Um. Jeez. Now, let's get to the best game of the week. Selfishly, personally, the Kansas City Chiefs will travel to the Hoosier State to 
take on the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. And I will be in attendance for this game. Very fired up for this game. 1 p.m. Eastern. Notable for me because I will be in attendance. It will be at noon for Johnny because he will be in Central Time. Indianapolis. Let's start there, Johnny. Uh, We'll start with them and then we'll talk about us. The Colts. One of the weirdest 0-2 starts to a season. Um, Did not expect this out of the gate at all from the Colts. But when you really look, without Michael Pittman, I know they have Jonathan Taylor, but where do they scare you on offense? Matt Ryan is more immobile than Kirk Cousins, and we said that we would would blitz Kirk Cousins on every dropback that he has. I think it's the same for the Chiefs. Um, got great pressure last week against Herbert in the second half. I look for the defensive line to get after this offensive line. I know it's good, but um, the Jaguars sacked Matt Ryan a ton on Sunday. So I think that our defense matches up pretty decently in the passing game. Now, say something nice about Indianapolis. They could line up and just try to run the ball 40 times. I mean, they really could. Um, And I think they're very capable of doing that. I think it's insanely dangerous um, and in a good way for the Colts being 0-2. You know they're going to be hungry and fired up for their home opener. Um, you know, I'm very curious to see what the crowd's like um, on Sunday. It'll be it'll be a fun game to attend. Um, from an indie standpoint, though, I just I, I don't see how they stay with the Chiefs, Johnny. What are your what's your take on Indy? Um Indy is yeah, it's like one of the more perplexing teams for me. I w- I thought I was higher on on Indy than some people going into the season before the year when we picked, um, we picked what we thought would happen for the Chiefs for their record. I had this actually as a loss for the Chiefs. I will be unbelievably disappointed how how I felt um, against the Cardinals. Like I have no doubt in my mind the Chiefs are going to win this or going to win this game. If they if the Chiefs do lose this game, like like I said, any given Sunday. I, it will be an abject failure. I will be extremely, extremely disappointed um, in the Chiefs. Um, even if they, even if Indy lines up to run the ball, I, I don't know if they, if they can. Indy has been held scoreless in six out of eight quarters this year, and and one actually you could and and an uh, overtime period. I didn't even factor that in. They tied a game this year. Um, seven of their eight quarters this year and an overtime period have had uh, haven't had a touchdown. The only touchdowns they've scored were in the fourth quarter week one against Houston and Houston had like turnovers that helped them out too. Yeah. This, this is a disaster right now. Um, I like Frank Reich. A lot of people like Frank Reich. We just really haven't seen it like in meaningful, like really true meaningful games though from Frank Reich. So, I mean, Jim Ursay is an owner that is a very prideful man. Chris Ballard is a very good GM. They're not winning enough in Indianapolis, and they're not getting it right at quarterback. So, I mean, if they go 0-3, this could be a guy, Frank Reich, who's also um, on the hot seat. I do think they're getting Michael Pittman back this week as well as Alec Pierce, and I do believe they're getting uh, now Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard, I think, will play this week. So they're getting reinforcements. It's their home opener, um, but they they might not they, they might not be very good. <clears throat> Let's talk about the Chiefs real quick, Johnny. Um, 
I mean, we don't need to spend much time on the offense. I mean, anything but what we saw last week um, won't be enough this week, I don't think. I mean, the Chiefs played really well in certain opportunities on offense. Patrick took care of the football, delivered it when we needed it, but it was not our best uh, showing on offense, in my opinion. And what's crazy, we scored 27 points. (laughs) So – I don't see how this Indianapolis team slows down this offense, in my opinion. Jacksonville threw all over them. And if you're telling me that Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence are on the same planet in terms of throwing the football, you are an absolute clown. Um, I, I don't see how this Colts defense stops our offense. Now, on the flip side, I do worry greatly about their ability to run the football. Um, It'll be the team that has the best ability to run the football that we've played all year. Um, Very notable. We haven't even brought this up yet. Willie Gay out, suspended for the next four games. Um, It gives great opportunity for guys like Darius Harris and Leo Chennault to have huge performances and huge breakout moments in their their young careers. But – what a tough time to be a linebacker and having this this offensive line coming downhill at you, um, and a huge task for this defensive line who is going to be considerably undersized um, up front this weekend. Um, it's going to be vital for us to keep Indy behind the chains. In my opinion, here is Chandler's key to the game: we have got to keep Indy in passing situations. If they get into third and twos, third and threes, fourth and ones, fourth and twos, whatever have you, I think that is that's that's a positive for Indy. I really do. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball and get that more often than not against this defense, in my opinion, so far through the first two weeks of the season. Now, that doesn't mean this defense can't answer the challenge, but that is yet to be determined. On paper right now, I think that is a huge challenge Huge challenge for the Chiefs. Key to the game. Have to keep Indy behind the chains. Let our pass rushing linemen get after Matt Ryan because I think that is a huge recipe for success um, that this Chiefs defense utilized and really brought us back in the game against the Chargers. If you really think about it, everybody talks about the big play by Jalen Watson, which rightfully so obviously ultimately won the game. Another huge play in that game was that sack that Chris Jones had that pinned the Chargers like on the two-yard line. They had to punt from there. We go down, and I believe we score a touchdown on that drive. I mean, it really flipped the game. Plays like that are going to be huge, and we have to maximize those opportunities and and generate those opportunities by keeping Indy behind the chains on defense. Johnny? Yeah, I mean, not too much to add there. Um I think that defensively, it sucks losing Willie Gay. I think Chris Jones can absolutely feast in this game. Um, you know, I look for someone like George Karloftis to get his first sack of the year here. Um, I think, though, if I'm Indy, here's where I attack the Chiefs. I love. Oh, and by the way, I found this out today. Um, it's Leo Chanel, not Chanel. I. Okay. I I, I led us astray. I've always been saying Chanel, but it's Chanel. Leo um, Chanel. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think Leo is going to – could have a, a lot of success this game. 
being in on rundowns, you know, Indy wants to run the football. He's already a really good run defender. Um, if I'm Indy, here's where I attack the Chiefs. It's with Naeem Hines. Willie Gay would be your guy that would be on Naeem Hines. When they throw him the ball or when they do um, like maybe delayed runs to him. But I think Naeem Hines is a guy that could have a lot of success here. And obviously, of course, Michael Pittman too. But I just do not think Indy's going to be able to keep up. And I think the Chiefs will be fine uh, holding them to a, a lower amount of points offensively. I hope Indy just keeps blitzing Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't know why teams keep doing this. Uh, this year, Mahomes, it's, it's, it's his whole career. It's been like this too. But uh, Mahomes this year is 21 of 32 for 231 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, and 126.4 passer rating against the Blitz. Against the Chargers, he was uh, 8 of 13 for 103 yards and a touchdown. They blitzed him on 36% of his dropbacks. I don't know what these people are doing. Um, I think the Chiefs will have a lot of success. I'm going to call it right here. Nicole Hardman's going to have a really deep touchdown. I'm talking like 40, 50 yards way down the field, if not more. Um, kind of like a go ball or a deep post. And, uh, and yeah, the only quarterback that's been blitzed more in the NFL this, than Patrick Mahomes is Carson Wentz, 34, Mahomes 32. So um, I think the Chiefs win this game. I think the Chiefs cover the five and a half. Patrick Mahomes is 6-0. and in dome games yeah i saw he's, that today. He's, he's never lost inside 339 yards per game 15 touchdowns two interceptions and 100.6 passer rating <laughs> um it's ridiculous it's going to be a track me it's going to be super fun hopefully the chiefs come out of this game healthy but like i started this off like the chiefs are going to win this game um any given sunday you can lose it's not going to happen this sunday the chiefs are going to win and chandler you're going to see it in person yeah, what a great way to end the Chiefs-Colts uh, preview, honestly. Um, I will be there, first time in the state of Indiana, first time in Indianapolis, first time at Lucas Oil Stadium. So a lot of firsts um, getting crossed off the list this Sunday. Um, Johnny, do you have a final thought for us this week? Yeah, I do. Um, my final thought is that, and you know, if Blaine has any, anything to say, he can speak up right here, but uh, uh, my final thought is that Kirk Cousins is 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 horrible. Kirk Cousins, it, he tricks people into thinking that he's good enough. His entire career is based off of making the box score look good, making games look fairly close because in garbage time, he comes back. All of, Basically, all of the good wins that he's ever had are in at noon or three o'clock games, as soon as this guy gets into prime time, he shrinks. Kirk Cousins is now two and 10 on Monday night football with his only two wins. Sorry, guys, I keep doing this. His only two wins have come against the Chicago Bears. So Ooh. Kirk Cousins, it, it always comes back to the Bears channel, those, yeah. poor, those, those poor fans. But uh, the final word is that Kirk Cousins sucks. Wow, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Blaine, hope you enjoyed this episode. We know you'll listen. Um, I have a feeling you might come on and defend yourself next week, but uh, time will tell. Johnny, appreciate it as always. What another great episode. Figure it out podcast. Having a lot of fun. NFL week three, right around the corner, folks. Enjoy it. Johnny, I'll talk to you later. See ya.